So I'll give you a minute to get there. Be in James chapter 1, picking up where we left off. This morning I do want to draw a little bit of attention to the fact that this week we'll be celebrating our independence as a country. That's wonderful for us just because uh, we realize the, the high cost and the rights of freedoms that we have to, to sit here and worship the way that we do this morning, to enjoy the, the time to, to, to gather and invite others to worship and praise God and, and be blessed ourselves. Um, even in, in our night of worship last Sunday evening, um, something I hope we can continue, uh, which normally will be every fifth Sunday. So you guys, please take a part in that. Not, not just to come and hear a group, but to gather and hear the saints lift the name of God on high. And so that, that is, is our ultimate blessing. We get to hear that. Um, so we see the high cost of freedom come with uh, all those servicemen. I've got a, a lot of family that has, has done that and afforded the freedoms to do so. And ultimately, as Christians, we realize it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that grants us that freedom uh, to come before the throne of grace and worship Him freely. So this morning, we're continuing, as I said, our study in the book of James. I, I want to briefly, before we jump into it, just remind you of our study last week, or perhaps you weren't, weren't here or, or, or don't remember. Last week, we saw James address this, this manuscript to a diverse group of peoples, all those that were scattered abroad. So every one of us, no matter our situation, can apply this to ourself. He, he, he did this in his opening. He brought encouragement to all of us, pressing us uh, to be glad amidst our every trial. And the reason is that nothing is out of God's control. He is, in fact, performing an intentional work in our lives, namely growing our faith through endurance. And so I want you all to keep that in mind as we read and go through all this. It is a letter um, that, that was intended for you to read and be edified by it. It was intended to be circulated so that we could study it just like we are this morning. And so that's one of the joys in participating in a study like this is that we're not subjected to, to just a disconnected study week to week, but that we have a more personal uh, letter that, that, that gives us a message that's able to speak into our lives and being the Word of God can actually transform our lives. And so I hope that you're able to engage and join and allow allowing this letter to shape to shape your life and to shape our church as, as we learn and, uh, and hear from God's Word. So we're going to read, I'm going to sort of backtrack and, and begin in verse 2 of chapter 1 and read through verse 8. We'll focus on verses 5 through 8. I welcome you to stand as we read from God's Word this morning. My brethren, Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In our passage for this morning, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for the freedom that we have to, to celebrate this Word, to dive into it freely uh, without fear. But Lord, we do come to this, this passage this morning asking that You would guide us by Your Spirit, that You would help open our eyes, that we'd be able to apply this rightly to our own lives. Lord, that we would be able to ask in full faith your wisdom. Lord, that you would impart your wisdom to us. Lord, that you would guide and equip me for whatever it is that needs to be said. And Lord, that this people, your church, would be drawn to submit to that fully. Lord, we pray as always for you to be glorified in this, for your church to be built up, for us to be equipped and sent out with the same message. Lord, that your name would be made great in our community, that we would see, see you magnified in such a submission to your word. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So as has become the habit, I've included a, an outline in the back of the bulletin to help you know where I'm going with our passage. And we can understand as we read through this, um, and I just mentioned even in Sunday school, we read through, through God's Word and we understand it's living and active. It can be applied to any person in any circumstance and, and even to multiple circumstances in our own life when we, when we search the, the true meaning of the text uh, as it reads. This morning, we should see the occasion for prayer, the role of faith in prayer, and we'll see the the occasion for unanswered prayer. Um, and so, following with the introduction I gave, after just having spoken to the testing of our faith, those matters, those trials and matters of life that really shake our, the foundations of our faith, as James just had, um, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, as if to say, if in such trying circumstances, having your faith tried as, as he's just spoken to, and you don't know what to do, do this. He says, ask and ask freely. Um, there, the intent here, whenever James was speaking, sort of, sort of coming on the tail end of last week's message and, and looking to all of our trials and circumstances, the, the intent is, is not to just uh, create indestructible uh, church warriors, but it's to knit the believer to their God. To ask. He's, he's bringing us to them. So, so using an, another illustration, in light of Independence Day and those that served, um, you know, I've got several friend, family, I've got friends, a lot of family members that, that were soldiers and... Uh, See, whenever they finish boot camp, a lot of time the intent then is to release a soldier that feels somewhat invincible. I mean, he feels like he can do anything. Um, now, 
the particular circumstance in which they serve, there's good reason for that. Um, e even the military realizes that doubt is dangerous in their situation. Um, they, they need to be sure of their capabilities before going out into battle or, or, or some other thing. Okay, some, for some of these guys, they never lose that feeling of be, becoming invincible. Uh, others of these, they, they put it to the task. That's not the point, but we, we realize doubt doesn't have a place in the life of the soldier. I sometimes, it's sort of a running joke for us, especially when we get done traveling or we're in the middle of traveling on a busy interstate or trying to get through a hectic intersection. You know, I'll sometimes say to Rachel, hesitation will get you killed. <laughs> you know, even more so on a battlefield, I can only imagine, right? It's, it's, uh, it's crazy and they have to be sure of themselves. They can't doubt. And even if they can't, uh, you know, overcome this scenario, they can't doubt themselves because that hesitancy will get them killed. The reality for us sets in whenever we recognize we're not indestructible. We are but small, fragile humans who need help of a supreme creator. We all hit that point. And so when we come to realize this occasion for prayer, we must first, that's that first subheading, we've got to realize we will need wisdom. So in the context of James's letter, he's not just pushing us to, to, to just a bullheaded persistence, but he's drawing us to, to a uh, persistence in prayer. Um, wisdom can entail so much. What I think of when I first come to this, and I think when, if any of you lack wisdom, I, I remember Solomon when he was confronted at a fairly young age um, to, to this insurmountable task of governing a kingdom that, that he knew was, was appointed by God. And so when promised any blessing, he asked for one thing. He asked for wisdom and knowledge in 2 Chronicles 1.10. It's recorded in 1 Kings 3.9 as him asking for an understanding heart in order to judge the people of Israel. Now that sort of prayer pleased the Lord to ask for wisdom of all the things that he could ask for in his position for a mighty military, or it wasn't, it wasn't anything, it wasn't any tyrannical rule, it wasn't to suppress his enemies, it wasn't any other thing, it wasn't for riches or anything else, it was for wisdom. That sort of prayer pleases the Lord, and we know it does, it, because God bless, blesses Solomon after that prayer. He blesses him abundantly. So whenever we come to uh, following in his letter, when we come to all this trial and this, this endurance that we're going to need that we talked about last week, every sort of circumstance that's going to shake our faith and our faith be made sure, how should we know what to do in our current situation? Pray. Pray. Ask for wisdom. What to do. What is wisdom? It's not so you can win who wants to be a millionaire. But how, Solomon asked, how should I govern these people? I don't know what to do. Here, I've been handed this thing. What shall I do? He asked for wisdom. So first, we must see our need for wisdom. And in order to function in prayer, we've got to see that God is gracious to give. 
That's that second sub-point. We will need wisdom. God is gracious to give. So not just do we need things, but are, are asking it, oh, we need help in this time or situation. I need to know uh, what shall I do. It's, it's, it's not just in vain that we ask or just simply from our position of need alone. We ask from the God that we know is able to answer. Surely, um, let's look at this. James says, look at his words. He says, in verse 6, or, or, or I'm sorry, in the second part of verse 5, then if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. Now, abradeth simply means without reproach. When we come to God and we ask him prayer, we've realized our need, but we're coming to him, we realize he's gracious to give. Okay, um, God does not chastise the one who depends upon Him. Whenever God gives, He does not expect in return. We can't give to Him in return. We can't bless Him in return the way that He blesses us. Surely each of us have realized our needs sometime or another. But have you admired God as the supreme, gracious giver when we approach Him in prayer. So we go to Him on behalf of His character. It's not just our need, but of God's good character in which we see there's a relationship there. So then I'm not inclined to think that this sort of thankless uh, prayer that demands our own way I'm not inclined to think that that is reminiscent of, of the truths that are spoken here. We have to realize our need. We've got to petition a sovereign God that, that, that can meet that need, that can supply. And we've got to do that in faith. So, so he walks us through. So now I see no faith, not a prayer. It's to say you, you don't have a prayer. It's not a prayer. Um, however you want to apply that. James clarifies, he says, let him ask in faith. Actually, he says, but let him ask in faith. So that, that, that use of a conjunction, but, that's a big but there. He says, hey, ask. When you need wisdom, I've just talked about all the trials that you will go through. They're serving an intentional purpose. You're going to need help. Ask, God gives freely, but. Now we're going to study this more in depth, but here that use of that but clues us into this is a highly conditional statement. What that means is that the, the idea is that this gracious dispensation of wisdom, God's help in this time of need from an all-powerful giving God, it does not happen apart from faith. So let's let James clarify. He says, he seems to say that faith has no doubt. Faith has no doubt. There, I'm in verse 6. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. This, pay, this passage, it literally reads, unwavering, uh, what does it say? Nothing wavering. It literally reads, but let him ask in faith, doubting nothing. 
If you're doubtful, you do not have faith. I want to ask you, whenever we, we look at our prayer life, and, and guys, this can be applied to, to any, any manner of life of which we're speaking, any anxiety, any, any worry, any doubt. But, but so I don't want to press into any sort of unhealthy dependence on the miraculous. Still, what are your expectations when you pray for those who have cancer? Do you, do you pray, do you actually expect God to heal them? What are your expectations then when, when we pray for spiritual relief in our marriage, uh, in, in your job, in your parenting? Are you found submitting to God's Word in faith. Now just to push, I think, and, and not any, making any empty accusations, but I think all too often the answer can be no. That we don't have those sort of expectations. Um, you know, it's not faith in, in God that allows children to be neglected or found in, in garbage bags or, or dumpsters like the four reports that I read that occurred just this week in the news. Um, it's, not, it's not faith. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's any better for the mother who's, who's not relying on, on God for her anxieties and worries, but instead the wine cooler that she can get now at the open bar at Kroger's in our area so that she can drink while she shops to ease her anxieties before she drives her children home. That's also from a, a real news report this week in our area. It seems to me that the, the massive portion of the church, the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention included, that, that, that portion of them that allows our culture to dictate our doctrine is really guilty of the same. If we here at, at New Life allow a superficial concern to, um, to grow our church attendance by way of entertainment, I, I don't think we're waiting on God, but we're having faith on Him for our spiritual growth. The answers to prayer that we're seeking are always in conjunction with and come as a direct fruit of faithful preaching and submission to God's Word. I, I want to say that again. When we come to prayer, the answers to prayer that we are seeking are always in conjunction with and as a direct fruit of the faithful preaching and submission to God's Word. Listen, we can apply this in so many ways. Whenever we, we come to an anxiety, uh, it doesn't matter, in our relationships, we're exhausted um, from, from parenting, um, we've got too much on our plate, uh, or, or, or how are our children turning out, or, or how the direction of our government or uh, too heavy of a school load or a workload or um, how will I serve God 
effectually, any of these things, it's, it's always going to be in submission and subjection to this word. And that's how we, we act this out in faith. We've got to ask in faith. There's, John James lays this out and he compares us to this wave going to and fro. This next point is that that wave, this doubting, that wave or the one who wavers is unconverted. James says the one who does not have faith is tossed by the wind. Listen, I just spent the week, uh, you know, on vacation. We spent it on the beach. And uh, not, not two catastrophic waves out there in the Gulf, which is a good part for me having young kids, but especially two, my two older boys this time were, grew a little bit more comfortable with that ebb and flow of the surf where they were once intimidated this time they were they wanted to get out in it and, and saw the joy and you know and kind of bouncing up over them diving under them they liked it you know so they got out there well they too learned a lesson as they get out and get involved with with what's so fun about going to the beach and, and experience the waves and trying out the boogie boards they also realized that when they were focused on just their good time they could pretty quickly be be pulled a little bit eastward or a little bit westward from that perpendicular point of the shoreline where we were sort of at where the towel was and the place that we were staying. It's, it's, it's very easy or, or really worse yet, you know, as they got out, we had a, a pretty good little sandbar so you could go out a little ways and, and be real shallow water but get to some waves that they weren't fit to tread. Now, it's, it's all good and fun, you know, to get out there, it's exciting get bigger and bigger waves as long as dad is out there to kind of pull one up when he sucked a little bit of water or to push you in or say, hey, turn around, look how far away that we are. Can you swing that back? Or, hey, where's mom and dad? And, and, and to be lost on the shoreline. So it's easy for them to be deceived as they were drawn out further or side to side. James compares this, this person to, to that. He, he uses this comparison and says that person is like that, um, just just drawn this way or that, pushed by the wind, drawn easily, deceived, or, or or tossed about. He says that's like the person who, perhaps, comes to church on Sunday but laughs at the dirty joke on Monday. He says that's like the person who nods their head in agreement with the preacher, but yet prioritizes their own selfish happiness the rest of the week. He says that this is sort of like the one who, who's able to judge everyone around them because of their own pious nature, and yet they get their definition of righteousness from social media. He says this of the person whose theology and morals are not based on Scripture alone, but on your emotional response to all that surrounds you. He speaks more to this topic in what I have called the occasion for unanswered prayer on the last two verses of our text. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The unstable receives nothing from the Lord. If we're that person who's tossed about 
who, who says, well, and, and I've seen this, sadly I've seen it, if, if, if my child uh, dis, decides that, that they're pursuant of a gay lifestyle, and I say they're, they're pursuant, not one who is tempted with any sinful passion, everybody's got sinful temptations, one who is pursuant of a sinful lifestyle, well then God must not mean what He said in His text. And they, they flip and they'll change. They allow culture or circumstance or because I've suffered divorce, God must not mean this when He speaks about marriage. And they change the way they've interpreted a text based off of their own emotional response. Listen, the dry consequence for such a, a lack of faith or a superficial faith or an incomplete faith is, is that your prayer just goes unanswered. It goes unanswered. When we don't submit in this way in faith that God works through diverse circumstances, which include s certain uh, sinful people and, 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 uh, and rocky situations and, and broken relationships, God works through that. Sure, I'm not saying that. But when we don't submit to His Word and we don't have faith in, in, in His working through these circumstances, why, why then do you pray? What's the point? If you think you can go your own way, how do you think God will bless? It's just kind of like whenever uh, John asked that of the Pharisees, they came to be baptized in his baptism of, of repentance. He said, why did you even come here, you brood of vipers? So they don't understand. They don't know the repentance. They didn't understand their need. They were still in their own self-righteousness. So they didn't understand their need and they didn't understand the grace of God. And guys, neither one of these produce faith. You've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to forsake your own righteousness and you've got to cling to God in Christ through faith. That is, is the condition for answered prayer. And so then the unstable don't receive anything from the Lord because the unstable are not of the Lord. Instability is not a condition of the Christian. We have an entire book of Psalms. I mean, we could go everywhere. I don't have time to look at all the places in, in which different psalmists exclaim God as a mighty rock, a fortress, a refuge. All of these descriptors of an unmovable God in whom we rest. Sing the song on God that solid rock I stand. That's what it's calling upon is all those psalms. We remember the parable of the house built on the solid rock and not upon the sand that gets washed away. In short, the reason the prayers of the doubter go unanswered is because the doubter is not of the Lord. There, he, he or she is not a child of God, whoever that doubter is. That, that's a, a bold statement and a hard dichotomy. There are, there, there are two sides. But how big is this matter of faith when it comes to prayer and life and, 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 uh, and godliness within the church? How big is it? We just read even in our Sunday school, Peter agrees in 1 Peter 
3.12, he says this, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Church, the point is clear. James is concerned not as much with our prayers, but with our faith. We're going to see this, and that's why I want to remind you over and again, read this in the context of the letter. His concern with with our trials and our endurance has been that our faith is built up, that it produces a full fruit of endurance. And he quickly goes to relying on God for our needs to be met in faith. There's going to be something that you're going to hear week in and week out. Faith is seems to be his primary concern. It's why he encourages us to thank God for our trials. We studied this last week. Rejoice when your faith is tested and it's proved and it grows. It's not a letter though. This isn't a letter to those without faith. There is a strong contradistinction here between the one that has faith and the one that does not have faith. The one who tries to pray to God without faith and the one who prays and every prayer is answered in faith. The one who has trials and is overcome and the one who has trials and is built up. The difference here is faith. This letter is to those who have faith. And so... If, if this passage is correct, and I maintain it is, is the Word of God, God is pleased to bless us without reproach, without taking back, without condemnation. God's pleased to bless you this morning. If you come in faith, he, he, how encouraging is this? That we can come and every prayer get answered if in faith, if in submission to, to God's will. One of, th- of two things is not happening. Either, either you're not coming in faith or it is you're not submitting to His will. You're not accepting the trial that He's giving you to build up your faith and to make you great in faith and to see great prayers answered because of that faith that's willing to submit and subject themselves to a trial. And so, entrust yourself. Come to this altar in faith. Leave today in faith, whatever else is going on. We're not asking, we're not saying that that faith makes trials disappear. We're saying you can approach and endure a trial in faith. Have faith so that your prayers may be answered and so that you may endure, so that you would have this wisdom to know how to endure. Still, there's a clear separation. The readers of this letter find themselves with either a legitimate faith and hope or no hope at all. I invite you all this morning to hope. Come in to hope this morning. Our study is going to take us deeper into this transformed life of a Christian. And so I want to challenge you all this week to consider the ways. I'm convinced that that though there is a, a... Two different ways, two sides of a coin, and a clear line in between. I'm convinced we've been guilty of trying to walk that line sometimes. And I'm convinced that there's areas in in each of our lives in which we've been tossed a little bit. And I want you to consider what are those ways 
in which you've been tossed about. Not, not just in, in coming to pursue Christ, but, but saying you're pursuing Christ, but, but, but not giving Him full control, not submitting fully, not coming in full faith, not fully enduring. How, how might you come a little more fully into the fold of Christ, into a full accountability of His church? Um, let this people here of New Life Baptist be a people of God whose faith is tried and is true, whose prayers are answered, and who knows the goodness of God and, and who submits fully to His Word and the accountability of His church and so that we can build each other up in, in that faith and endurance. That's the only word that I have. Sometimes as I close, I feel like there's so much left unsaid. But... By this point, I'm convinced that some of that is the work of the Spirit that's going to go with us. I pray, like I feel uneasy about closing this morning. I pray that continues for the rest of this week. That that would travel with you, that you would consider, how have I not fully submitted? What have I not relented in in my life? How have I not come into the full accountability of the church, whether it be my marriage, whether it be in fellowship, in service, um, here, uh, whatever it is. Chad drew attention to something, and there's a reason that's in the bulletin to ask, how, how might you submit in ministry? Because His Word tells us He's gifted us. He didn't, I'm not an entertainer here this morning. I'm a shepherd to help you find a way in which you can serve the Lord if, through His church. And so I ask, consider that. And I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And I ask you to join me. Lord, Father, we thank You for this word this morning. Lord, this... And I'm convinced all of James is going to find us either offended at such a hard text as we don't submit, but Lord, it will build us up and encourage us the more that we submit to it. So Father, I pray for you just to have your full work Lord, that you convict this church, that you draw us into this encouraging word of hope where we see ourselves as a people built up, a people whose prayers are answered, who come into the full submission of your word, trusting you to work all these things out in accordance with your will. Lord, that you wouldn't allow any of us to go on in, in, in this sort of uh, haphazard, nonchalant, tossed about way of life, but that we would submit everything to you. Lord, that we would come to you with all of our marriages, with our ministries. Lord, that you would open our eyes to our giftings, our callings. Lord, that we would find the way in which we devote our entire life to you. Lord, that you would go with this people this week that they would continue to think about this message. 
Lord, that we would find ourselves transformed by your word and in the full image of your son, Jesus Christ. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.